0: Section 4 of The Fables of La Fontaine. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tavares. The Fables of La Fontaine by Jean de La Fontaine. Translated by Walter Thornbury. The Life of Aesop the Phrygian. Part 2. On the following day, when the vapors of the wine had evaporated, Xantus was extremely surprised to find that his ring had disappeared from his finger, and with horror learned from Aesop that not only his ring, but his house also, were the forfeitures of the ridiculous wager which he had made overnight. Vexed beyond measure, the philosopher condescended to entreat Aesop to help him out of his difficulty and this is what came of the phrygian's advice when the day arrived for the decision of the wager the whole population of samos rushed to the seashore to be witnesses of the philosopher's defeat but just as one of his disciples who had made the bet with him began to glory in his victory the philosopher said to the assembled multitude it is quite true that i have bet that i would drink up the whole of the sea but i certainly never engaged to drink up all the rivers which flow into it i must request therefore that the gentleman with whom i have made the bet will first prevent the rivers from flowing into the sea when he has done that i shall be very happy to fulfil my portion of the wager it needs scarcely be said that every one applauded the androidness with which Xantos had got out of his difficulty. The disciple confessed that he was vanquished, begged his master's pardon, and Xantus was conducted to his home with great applause. As a recompense for his happy hint, Aesop begged for his liberty, which Xantus refused, saying that the moment for Aesop's freedom had not yet come but that if the gods should intimate that it had, he would willingly grant it. If, for instance, he said, two crows should meet his sight on his first leaving the house, he would grant the request, but that if he should see one only, Aesop should continue to be a slave. Aesop at once went out, whilst his master retired to a neighboring grove, our Phrygian had scarcely sallied forth when he perceived two crows caw together upon a lofty branch, and ran to tell his master. Of course, Xantus hastened to see the fact for himself, and before he could reach the spot one of the crows had flown away. Ah, ah, said the philosopher to Aesop, you are determined to be always cheating me, are you? here you fellows give this rascal a good horse-whipping this order was at once carried into effect and whilst the punishment was going on xantus was invited to a repast and he sent word to say that he would attend at the time and place appointed alas exclaimed aesop what lies then are the forewarnings of heaven here am i who have seen two crows suffering the torments of the lash whilst my master who has seen but one is invited to a nuptial feast this sarcasm so pleased xantus that he gave orders that sop should be taken down from the triangles but nevertheless he could not as yet prevail upon himself to give the phrygian his often promised liberty one day, as the master and man were wandering amongst old monuments, reading with much pleasure the inscriptions, Xantos came to one which he could not understand, although he remained a considerable time trying to explain it. It was composed of the first letters of certain words, and the philosopher avowed that he could not solve the problem which it presented. "'If I help you to find a treasure by means of those letters,' said Aesop, "'what will you give me?' Xantus promised him his liberty and half the treasure. "'They mean, then,' said Aesop, "'that four paces from this column a treasure lies concealed.' After having dug for some time they found that such was indeed the case. The philosopher was now called upon to keep his word." But he still declined to do so may the gods forbid i should set you free said he to aesop before you have explained the mystery of those letters to know that will be a greater treasure to me than what we have found well said aesop they have been engraved here as the first letters of these words apovas vimata etc that is to say if you step back four paces and then dig you will find a treasure as you are so clever said Xantus. i should be wrong to part with you so give up the idea that you will ever be free and i for my part, at aesop will denounce you to king denis for it is to him that the treasure belongs and these letters are the initials of other words which state the fact the philosopher alarmed told his slave to take his part of the treasure and to say nothing about it on which isop declared that he was under no obligation to him for that these letters had been selected in such a manner that they contained a triple sense and signified still further as you go away you will divide the treasure which you have discovered when they had returned home, Xantos ordered that Aesop should be put in irons and imprisoned for fear that he should make the adventure known. Alas, cried Aesop, is it thus that these philosophers fulfill their promises? But do as you will, master Xantos. You shall set me free at last in spite of yourself. This prediction turned out to be true. A prodigy appeared by which the Samians were greatly frightened an eagle carried off the public ring some seal apparently which was affixed to the proceedings of the town council and let it drop into the bosom of a slave the philosopher was consulted on the matter both in his capacity as a philosopher and as being one of the republic he asked for time and had recourse to his usual oracle Aesop the latter advised him to produce him in public, since, if he succeeded well, the philosopher would have the honor, and if he failed, he, Aesop, would alone bear the blame. Xantos approved of this course and presented him before the chief assembly of the citizens. As soon as the Phrygian appeared, every one burst into a fit of laughter. No one supposed that anything sensible could come from the mouth of one so grotesquely formed." Aesop told them however that they should not consider the fashion of the vase but the liquor which it contained whereupon the samians cried out to him to say without fear what he thought of the prodigy but Aesop excused himself on the ground that he dare not fortune he said had raised a strife for glory between the master and the slave if the slave spoke badly he would be beaten and if he spoke better than his master he would still be beaten upon this every one pressed xantus to set the phrygian free the philosopher obstinately resisted for some time but at length the provost of the town threatened to do so himself in virtue of his magisterial power this had the desired effect and sop was set free upon which he declared the samians were threatened by this prodigy with being reduced to a state of servitude, and that the carrying off of their ring by the eagle was symbolic of a powerful monarch, who was desirous of subjugating them. Shortly afterwards, Crassus, king of the Lydians, announced to the Samians that if they did not become his tributaries, he would compel them to do so by force of arms the greater number were for obeying his commands esop told them that fortune offered to men the choice of two roads the one that of liberty rough and thorny at the commencement but afterwards very pleasant and the other that of slavery which at first was easy but was afterwards very laborious this was in effect plain advice to the phrygians to defend their liberties though so they dismissed the monarch's envoy unsatisfied as to his demands Croesus at once made preparations to attack them but was informed by his ambassador that as long as they had aesop amongst them he would find it difficult to reduce them such well-grounded confidence had they in that person's wisdom krasus accordingly sent to the samians to demand the phrygian of them declaring that if they would give him up to him he would respect their liberty the rulers of the state regarded these conditions as advantageous and thought that the sacrifice of aesop would be a cheap means of obtaining peace the phrygian however made them change this opinion by telling them how the wolves and the sheep having made a treaty of peace the latter gave up their dogs as hostages. When they no longer had protectors, the wolves were able to devour them with less trouble than formerly. This fable had its effect, and the Samians then came to a resolution precisely contrary to the one they had just adopted. Aesop, however, was desirous of his own accord of going to Croesus and said that he could serve them better if he were with the king than if he remained at samos when croesus saw him he was astonished that so mean-looking a person had been such an obstruction to his plans what he cried see what sort of a creature it is that has dared to oppose my will aesop prostrated himself and said a man in pursuit of locusts happened to catch hold of a grasshopper and was about to kill it when the insect exclaimed to the man what have i done that you should kill me i have not devoured your corn i have done you no sort of harm my only peculiarity is a loud voice of which i make a very innocent use Ah. Uh, mighty monarch, I resemble that grasshopper. I only possess powers of speech, and I have not used them to injure you. Croesus, moved with admiration and pity, not only pardoned Aesop, but left the Samians alone on his account. It was at this time that the Phrygian composed his fables, which he left with the king of Lydia, when he was sent by the latter to the Samians who accorded him great honors. He then took it into his head to travel about the world and to hold high converse with those who were generally regarded as philosophers, and at length it happened that he obtained an exalted place in the esteem of Lycerus, king of Babylon. Footnote in the lists of the kings of babylon there is found no monarch of this name and this is another proof amongst many that the life of aesop by Planudius is a fiction at this period kings were in the habit of sending to each other problems to solve on condition that certain tributes should be paid according as the questions were answered well or ill on the one side or the other and in this sort of game lycerus by the assistance of aesop rendered himself especially illustrious whether as proposer or answerer in the course of time aesop married and as no children came to him he adopted a young man of noble extraction named ennus the latter rewarded his kindness by ingratitude and was indeed so base as to sully his master's bed this having come to the knowledge of aesop he drove the rascal from his house and the latter in order to be revenged upon him forged letters by which it was made to appear that aesop was in the pay of kings who were at enmity with lycerus, lycerus deceived by the apparent genuineness of the seals and the signatures appended to those letters ordered one of his officers named hermippus without seeking any further proofs of the phrygian's treachery to put aesop to death this hermippus however being a friend of aesop's saved his life and secretly fed him for some time in a sepulchre until nectenabo king of egypt Believing in the report of Aesop's death, thought that he should now be able to compel Lycerus to become his tributary. He commenced provoking him by defying him to send him a man who could build a tower in the air and who could answer all sorts of questions. Lycerus, having read these letters and having submitted them to the most able men of his kingdom found that none of them were prepared to give satisfactory answers and deeply regretted Aesop. Upon this Hermippus confessed his disobedience of orders and produced Aesop, who was very well received and, having proved his innocence of the charge against him, was most graciously pardoned. As for the letter from the king of Egypt, he only laughed at it and directed lycerus to reply that he would send the required architects in the spring and also one who could answer all sorts of questions lycerus replaced Esop in possession of all his property and at the same time delivered up enos to him to deal with him as he pleased sop received the latter as though he had been his own son and only punished him by recommending him to honour the gods and his king to make himself feared by his enemies to render himself useful to others to treat his wife well but at the same time never to trust her with his secrets to speak little and to avoid the company of babblers never to give way to misfortune to have a care for the morrow since it is better to enrich one's enemies by one's death than to be troublesome to one's friends whilst living and above all never to be envious of the happiness or the good qualities of others since that is but to inflict an injury on ourselves enos touched by this advice and by aesop's goodness towards him died soon afterwards as though he had been stabbed to the heart to return to Nectenabo's challenge aesop procured some eagles and taught them a difficult thing to do but he did it to carry each of them a basket in which was a child and when the springtime had come he set off with them to the great wonder of all the people whom he met who had heard of his design Nectenabo, who had only sent his puzzle because he had heard of Esop's death was greatly surprised as well as greatly disgusted at seeing him he asked Esop, however whether he had brought the architects and the men who could answer all sorts of questions to which Esop replied that the latter was himself and that the architects should be produced at the proper place they proceeded to the open country where the eagles soared up aloft with the children who cried out to those below to hand them up stones mortar etc you see said sop to Nectenabo, that i have brought you the workmen it is for you to supply them with the materials Nectenabo acknowledged that in this lyceros was the conqueror he proposed however this question to Aesop. i have mares in egypt which reply to the neighing of the horses about babylon what may that mean the phrygian deferred his answer and returning to his lodging bade some children take a cat and whip it along the streets the egyptians who worshipped this animal regarded this as an extremely scandalous proceeding and snatching the creature from the children's hands went to complain to the king the phrygian was at once ordered to the presence and the king said to him do you not know that this animal is one of our gods "'Why, then, have you had it treated in this way?' "'For an offence which he has committed against Lycerus,' replied Aesop. "'For the other night it strangled an extremely courageous cock which crowed at every hour.' "'You are a liar,' replied the monarch. "'How could the cat have made so long a journey in so short a time?' "'Just as possible,' rejoined Aesop as that your mares should hear our stallions neigh at so great a distance after this the great king had certain ingenious persons brought from heliopolis and gave them a great banquet to which the phrygian was invited during the repast they proposed to aesop various enigmas and this amongst others there is a vast temple supported on a column which is surrounded by twelve cities each of which has thirty buttresses and around these buttresses walk one after the other two women the one white the other black such a question as that said Aesop, is only fit for little children the temple is the world the column is the year the cities are the months the buttresses are the days around which move after each other the day and night on the following day nectenabo assembled all his friends and said to them is it to be born that such a pygmy of a man such an abortion should enable lycerus to gain the prize and vanquish me one of them then advised him to request Isop to ask them questions about things of which they had never heard on this Aesop wrote out a memorandum according to which Necanabo acknowledged that he owed Lycerus two thousand talents. The memorandum was placed, sealed in the Nectenobo's hands, and before it was opened, Nectenobo's friends declared that the thing which he held in his hands was well known to them. When it was opened, Nectenabo exclaimed, behold the greatest falsehood that was ever concocted i take you all to witness certainly they replied we have never heard of such a thing therefore said sop i have satisfied your demand upon this nectanebo dismissed sop burdened with presents both for himself and his master this residence of Aesop in Egypt may perhaps have been the origin of the story that he was a slave there with Rhodope, who, by the aid of the presents, made her by her lovers, erected one of the three pyramids which still exist, and are regarded with such admiration. The legend refers to the smallest of the three, but the one built with the most skill. Aesop, on his return to Babylon, was received by Lycerus, with great demonstrations of joy and goodwill, and had a statue erected to him. His desire, however, to see the world and acquire knowledge, induced him to renounce all honors. He accordingly quitted the court of Lycerus, where he enjoyed everything that could be wished, and took leave of this prince for the purpose of visiting Greece. lysaurus did not allow him to leave without bestowing upon him the greatest marks of affection nor without making him swear that he would return to end his days with him amongst the cities which he visited delphi was one of the principal the delphians were very willing to listen to him but they paid him no honors and aesop piqued by this lack of respect compared them to sticks which float on the water which at some distance off seem to be something important, but when close at hand are discovered to be worthless. This comparison, however, cost him dear, for the Delphians conceived such a dislike to him, and such a vehement desire of being avenged on him, as well as being impressed by a fear that he would defame them, that they resolved to compass his death. To attain this end they concealed amongst his goods one of their sacred vessels, intending to accuse him of theft and sacrilege, and then to condemn him to death. As Aesop was setting out from Delphi and journeying towards Photis, the Delphians ran after him with every appearance of great wrath, and accused him of having stolen their sacred vessel. Aesop denied the theft with solemn oaths, but when his baggage was searched it was found amongst it, therefore all that Aesop could say did not prevent them from treating him as an infamous criminal. He was conveyed back to Delphi, loaded with irons, cast into a dungeon, and condemned to be thrown headlong from a rock. It was in vain that, attempting to defend himself with his ordinary weapons, he recited fables. The Delphians only laughed at them. The frog, he said, had invited the rat to come to see her. In order to enable him to pass across the pond, she tied him to her foot. As soon as he was fairly on the water, she tried to drag him to the bottom in order to drown him, and then make a meal of him the unfortunate rat resisted for some little time and whilst he was struggling on the surface a bird of prey perceived him pounced on him and having carried him off together with the frog who could not extricate herself made a meal of both and thus o oh delphians one more powerful than either of us will avenge me i shall perish but you will perish also as Aesop was being led to his place of punishment he found means to escape and entered a little chapel dedicated to apollo from which however the delphians tore him you violate this asylum he said to them because it is only a little chapel but a day will come when your wickedness will find no hiding place no not even in your great temple the same thing will happen to you that happened to the eagle which in spite of the prayers of the beetle carried off the leveret which had taken refuge with the insect the eagle's offspring was punished for this even when it had sought shelter in jupiter's bosom the delphians however little moved by these remarks cast sop headlong from the rock soon after sop's death a pestilence spread havoc throughout the delphian land the inhabitants asked of the oracle by what means they might appease the wrath of the gods. The oracle replied that the only means by which they could do this was by expiating their crime and laying Aesop's ghost. On this a pyramid was immediately erected to his memory. But it was not heaven alone that testified its displeasure at Aesop's murder men also avenged the sage's death. Greece instantly sent a commission to inquire into the circumstances and inflicted a severe punishment on the criminals. Footnote. The Athenians erected a statue to Aesop which was the work of the celebrated Lysippus, and it was placed opposite those of the seven wise men. End of section 4